Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane. Once again, to bring you some more chilling stories, some of my favorite stories. These are stories I've grown up with that I've listened to all of my life, and they never get old for me. I hope they don't for you either. Perhaps you've heard these stories before that I share. Even if you did, I hope that my retelling of them will still bring you some entertainment and some good memories. I love a good ghost story, as you know. I also love a good urban legend. Urban legends are very interesting because supposedly they come from true events. Or at least that's what some people believe. Some of these stories, like The babysitter and the man upstairs turn out to be true. As creepy enough as it is, there was an incident back in the 1940s where a man did break into a house and terrorize a babysitter. And it involved a phone call. So as you can see, a lot of these urban legends do spin off from true stories sometimes. There are a lot, there are millions and zillions of ghost stories out there, and if you bother to trace them back, you can find sometimes a little hint of truth hidden within those. Here in Alabama, we've got a lot of great stories. Uh, We have some with evidence to back it up, like the face in the courthouse window, which I shared a few episodes ago about the, the man Henry Wells, who was killed for a crime he didn't commit, and he swore he would haunt them for the rest of his life, or the, the rest of their lives. And uh, after his death, his face appeared on that courthouse window in the upstairs garret room. It stays there to this day. They try to wash it off. It comes right back. They replace the window pane. It comes right back. And it's still there today in Carrollton and Pickens County, Alabama. You can visit it today. We have local tales here in the Birmingham area like Sloss Furnace, which is a real place. Real people who work there and their ghosts who are said to still roam there and haunt the machinery and the grounds. Almost every place has a tale, be it a ghost story, an urban legend, or just any old kind of story. I prefer the ones that give me a little tingle down my spine. And this evening I'm going to share three stories that are very creepy and I hope you enjoy them too. This first story is sort of a popular ghost story here in Alabama. It takes place in a real location. The University of Montevallo. There are several ghost stories on that campus. It's still a a working campus today. Students still go there to learn and get their education and move on to great careers. If you attend school there today, you'll probably hear some of those stories because it's kind of hard to enter those walls and not hear at least one of them. One in particular happened in the girls' building. This involved a young woman named Condi Cunningham. It happened over a hundred years ago, but the tale is still told today because Much like the face on the courthouse window, she left a little something behind to remember her by. This story is called Girl on Fire. 
Back in 1908, the Alabama Girls Industrial School, resting there in the University of Montevallo, there was a girls-only building where the students stayed, sort of a dormitory. Condi Cunningham was one of the students who lived on the fourth floor of that dorm known as Residence Hall, and that building still stands today. The girls had to live by strict code. They couldn't have any boys in, and they couldn't stay up late, and they couldn't have food or drink in their rooms. But sometimes when you're a college student and you're studying away, you need a good snack. Condi, like most of the girls, would sometimes sneak food into their dorm room, try not to let the, the headmasters know. Late one night, Condi and her friends were using a burner, one of those old-fashioned burners, to make hot chocolate in her room. Boy, was it going to be a treat because they loved hot chocolate, especially on a, a cool fall night. This was, of course, against the rules, as I mentioned, but Condi and her friends were going to do this anyway. They were all sitting on Condi's bed in their nightgowns when someone accidentally knocked over that burner while it was preparing their hot chocolate. The flames coming from the burner lit the cover on the bed. Condi was standing there wearing her nightgown because they were planning to go to bed shortly after. When the bed caught fire and the covers flamed up and the smoke started to rise into the room, one of those flames caught against Connie's nightgown she began to panic, panic and flail around. What she didn't understand was by moving and jostling about it would just make the flames that much worse. But in her panic, all thoughts eluded her except for escape and getting herself put out. Oh, oh my God, she screamed. And she burst through the door before her friends could help her. She fled down the hallway and total flames, screaming, help me, help me, please, somebody put me out. She ran and ran. Again, the worst thing you can do when you're on fire. Everyone knows you should stop, drop, and roll as the firemen teach us, but I guess when you're a pan in a panic state of mind with flames enveloping you, you just don't think straight. She ran up and down that hall, screaming for help. People were coming from all over the building. By then, the flames had totally enveloped her. They grew larger and larger, and her screams continued until those flames completely consumed her. She fell to the floor, burning. Her friends standing around could only watch in horror as Condi finally collapsed and died. Her body was burned to a crisp. Ever since her death, Condi Cunningham's ghost has haunted the fourth floor of the old residence hall, or so the residents there say. Students living on that fourth floor have reported hearing the horrified screams of a girl echoing through the hallways. Others have heard footsteps running up and down the hall when no one is there. 
Some have even heard the cries of a girl in panic. Help me, help me, please put me out. Condi's room stayed open for other residents, and they too reported incidents. Something scratching on the door as if wanting to get in. One girl rose up one night when she heard those noises coming from her door. When she opened the door, she was shocked to see a fiery apparition standing there, its arms stretched out, pleading, Help me, it screeched. Put me out. Then the apparition turned and rushed away into the hallway where it vanished completely. The smell of burnt skin filled the air, but then dissipated, leaving the poor girl standing there in shock. It was like a human torch, she said, something from a nightmare. When the girl went back to her room, she saw her bed was on fire. The next morning, she left the university and swore never to return. Of all the paranormal events that surround this girl on fire, this strange, fiery apparition, the strangest is what happened to the wooden door of Condi's old room. Right after Condi's death, her friends said they saw the image of Condi's burning face appearing in the wood of the surface of the door. The school administrator came and saw what they had reported. It was like the face of a woman with hair in flames. The face frozen in a panicky expression. The school administrator had the door replaced very quickly, but Condi's face appeared in the new door. Again, they replaced it, and again, numerous times. But every time, the image of the face came back in the wood. Condi's spirit just would not leave. The girls were all so freaked out by this that eventually they just removed the door completely and put it in a storage room. Even today, Condi's room has no door, and none of the girls at Montevallo University will stay in the room so it remains vacant. But the students today who live there still swear that their doors open and close on their own, and some have sensed the presence of Condi's ghost coming into their room. Some have even sensed that smell of charred skin wafting across their nostrils. Her ghost has been known to go into the shower areas and scream, scream until she can scream no more. The girls say that when she roams the hall, she doesn't do it quietly. She runs and screams for help through the halls as if she is still that girl on fire. If you go to the University of Montevallo during the month of October, in the library, the wonderful librarian still pull out that door of Condi's room and put it on display. 
so you too can go and see for yourself that incredible image in the grain of the wood, that image of that panicky face, that girl, Condi, with her hair in flames. And perhaps if you ask, they'll tell you the story of Condi and share with you their own experiences. So this, dear friend, is a true ghost story, one of Alabama's greatest ghost stories. It doesn't get shared as often nowadays, which is a shame, but I hope we can keep it alive and pass it on. Poor Condi. I hope at some time she finds peace. For our next story, we're going to turn to the urban legend side. This is one of those stories that has twisted and changed over the years, but the gist of it still remains the same. Everyone loves a good story about someone lurking in the shadows, maybe even right outside your door, right outside your window at night, peering in and you don't even know it. Creepy, spooky type of atmosphere to those stories. This story is just like it. It's been known by different titles, but I decided just to keep it simple for my show. I'm just going to call this story Lick. Jasmine left work sort of late in the evening. She had a lot of files to go over, a lot of catch-up work to go through in her computer. So she decided to stay a few hours late at work at the office to get some of that overload completed so her boss wouldn't fuss at her too much. They had had a lot of influx of business during that month, and so everyone had a larger load than, than usual, but Jasmine was the kind that did not like to leave things undone, so she stayed and watched her coworkers leave and waved goodbye as she continued to work away on her computer. Finally, she finished up and decided to head home. Turning out her desk lamp, she left, waved goodbye to the security officer along the way, made her way through the dark parking lot. Sun had already been down for a little while and stars were beginning to shine in the sky above. She made it to her car and got in and left the parking lot. It was a quiet night, traffic had already died down on the highway, so she switched on the radio to pass the time as she drove. Some wonderful soft rock music was playing on her favorite station and she kind of hummed away to the tune. Eventually the song ended and instead of the usual commercial, a news break came over the radio. In the next county was located a mental institute. It was maximum security, but somehow a patient Though crazy, he was very smart, managed to escape. A few deaths occurred. A couple of officers were found dead. And he managed to make his escape from the grounds and was now at large. The news brought a chill down Jasmine's spine, but at least it was a county away and surely he would try to get as far away as possible so she decided not to worry about it. The newscaster continued with the story saying that 
Anyone located within the neighboring county should keep an eye out for this man, this crazed lunatic. He had been sent away for the rape and murder of women a decade before. Jasmine felt her stomach grow with nausea, but she again assured herself, he'll get away from here, he'll go far away, he won't stay around here. The music came back on and eventually she calmed down. She made it to her house and went inside and everything was fine, but she, just to make herself feel better, turned on all the lights. She took a hot shower and had a little bit of a snack to eat because she didn't feel hungry anymore like she did when she left work. And decided, you know, I need to really relax my mind some more. I'll watch some TV. And so she did. Her loyal golden retriever jumped up on the sofa and curled up next to her to keep her company while she watched her favorite shows, comedy shows, so that she could have a laugh and forget the worries of the outside world for a while. Work and terrible news, those were best left outside the walls of her safe home. A few hours went by and she grew tired. When she switched off the television, she thought she heard something like a, a scratching sound coming from the wall outside. She remained silent for a moment, sitting and listening. But no other noise occurred. Feeling it was probably her imagination, she decided to get up and go on to bed. Brushed her teeth, combed her hair a little bit, pulled down the covers and climbed inside. Her golden retriever, loyal as he was, always curled up next to the bed on the floor so she could just reach over and let her hand drop down. He would lick her on the fingers to assure her that everything was okay. As she drifted off to sleep, she felt the dog licking at her fingers. What a comforting thought it was. She always left the nightlight on over the stove in the kitchen and through her bedroom door she could see out into the living room and the fireplace. She had lit a fire before going to bed because it was sort of a chilly night outside so the flames glowed in the living room casting odd glows and shadows around the walls but it brought her great comfort. Even the smell of the burning hickory wood felt so good. She completely forgot about the strange noise and drifted off to sleep. Sometime later, maybe a few hours, Jasmine awoke. She wasn't quite sure if some noise disturbed her, but she laid there and listened to the night. Nothing happened, no noise, no movement, so she wasn't quite sure what woke her up, but she felt at unease. Needing a little bit of comfort, she let her hand slip over the side of the bed and dangle down next to her golden retriever. Soon enough, she felt his tongue licking her fingers and assuring her how comforting her dog was. She loved him so much. She rolled over and glanced out at the fire. The flames were still going, though they were smaller. She decided perhaps I should get up and add a little more wood to the fire when she noticed something strange. Something was laying there in front of that fireplace. 
She sat up as the dog continued to lick her fingers and she looked, straining her eyes to see. As the light of the flames adjusted, she could make out the shape on the floor. It was something, maybe an animal, curled up there. As the light of the flames reached out and spread over the object on the floor, she finally realized what it was. Her loving, loyal retriever stretched out there, his tongue hanging from his mouth. As the shock swam over her, she realized that beneath her, her fingers were still getting the lick. And that's where that story ends. You can use your imagination And that's what's great about urban legends. You can sort of tell your own version and share them. And as they do, they become more fun. They become more modern. Hopefully these stories will never die because they have a little place in our history. Everybody loves a good, scary story. Or at least most people do. (laughs) So, speaking of scary stories, there is a new movie coming out this August called Scary Stories to Share in the Dark. Or scary stories to tell in the dark. Let me correct myself. This was a series of books that came out back in the 80s, and I sure loved them when I was a kid. I'm not sure why it took so long, but finally somebody, a wise filmmaker, decided to make a movie version involving these stories. So this August, the theaters will be hit with scary stories to tell in the dark. Be sure to go and check this movie out if you like a good horror story. And just to whet your appetite, I'm going to share with you one of those stories from the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark series. This is one of the more popular ones, and it's known by the name Harold. Scarecrows are quite creepy. When you're driving down a country road and you see the farmland and the farmhouses and You look over at the beautiful rolling green hills. You may spot a nice vegetable garden out there and then might see that stuffed scarecrow that the farmer has propped up there to scare away the wildlife. It's kind of creepy and many horror stories have evolved from that idea. This is one of those stories. When it got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred drove their cows up to a cool green pasture in the mountains to graze. Usually they stayed there with the cows for two months and then they brought them down to the valley again. The work was easy enough, but oh, it was so boring. (laughs) All day the two men tended their cows. At night they went back to the the tiny hut where they lived. They ate supper and they worked in the garden and then went off to sleep. It was always the same every day. Thomas had an idea that changed everything. Let's make a doll the size of a man, he said. It would be fun to make and we could put it in the garden to scare away the birds. It should look like Harold, Alfred said. Harold was a farmer that they both hated. They made the doll out of old sacks stuffed with straw, gave it a pointy nose like Harold's, and tiny eyes like his. 
Then they added dark hair and a twisted frown. Of course, they also gave it Harold's name. Each morning on their way to the pasture, they tied Harold to a pole in the garden to scare away the birds. Each night they brought him inside so that he wouldn't get ruined if it rained. When they were feeling playful, they would talk to him. One of them might say, How are the vegetables growing today, Harold? Then the other, making believe he was Harold, would answer in a crazy voice, Very slowly. And they would laugh and laugh. But not Harold. Whenever something went wrong, they took it out on Harold. They would curse at him, even kick him or punch him. Sometimes one of them would take the food they were eating, which they were both getting sick of, by the way, and they would smear it on the doll's face. How do you like that stew, Harold? Well, you'd better eat it or else. Then the two men would just howl with laughter. One night, after Thomas had wiped Harold's face with food, Harold grunted. Did you hear that? Alfred asked. It was Harold, Thomas said. I was watching him when it happened. I can't believe it. How could he grunt? Alfred asked. He's just a sack of straw. It's just not possible. Let's throw him in the fire, said Thomas, and that will be that. No, let's not do anything stupid, said Alfred. We don't know what's going on. When we move the cows down, we'll leave him behind. For now, let's just keep an eye on him. So they left Harold sitting in a corner of the hut. They didn't talk to him or take him outside anymore. Now and then, the doll grunted. But that was all. After a few days, they decided there was nothing to be afraid of. Maybe a mouse or some insects had gotten inside Harold and were making those sounds. It had to be something natural. So Thomas and Alfred went back to their old ways. Each morning they put Harold out in the garden, and each night they brought him back into the hut. When they felt playful, they joked with him. When they felt mean, they treated him as badly as ever. Then one night, Alfred noticed something that frightened him. Harold is growing, he said. I was thinking the same thing, Thomas said. Well, maybe it's just our imagination, Alfred replied. We've been up here on this mountain way too long. The next morning, while they were eating, Harold stood up and walked out of the hut. He climbed up on the roof and trotted back and forth, back and forth, like a horse on its hind legs. All day and all night long, he trotted back and forth like that. In the morning, Harold climbed down and stood in a far corner of the pasture. The men had no idea what he would do next. They were very afraid. They decided to take the cows down into the valley that same day. When they left, Harold was nowhere in sight. 
They felt as if they had escaped a great danger, and so they began joking and singing. But when they had gone only a mile or two, they realized they had forgotten to bring the milking stools. Neither one wanted to go back for them, but the stools would cost a lot to replace. There really isn't nothing to be afraid of, they told each other. After all, what could a doll do? They drew straws to see which one would go back. It was Thomas, unfortunately for him. I'll catch up with you, he said, and Alfred walked on toward the valley. When Alfred came to a rise in the path, he looked back for Thomas. He did not see him anywhere, but he did see Harold. The doll was back on the roof of the hut again. As Alfred watched, Harold kneeled and stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun. That was a good scary story, if I do say so myself. So be sure to check out Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark when it hits a theater near you. And be sure to tune back into my show for the next episode when I share some more scary, creepy ghost stories and urban legends. So, lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn out the lights. Pull those covers over your head, but before you go off to sleep, please be sure to have a happy haunting. Ha 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 ha.